<laughs> like it's not really super relevant, but I did listen to a little bit of that podcast from years ago that I posted without listening to the first time. And uh, it, it's funny, just in skipping through, I think we're pretty good. Like, we're, we spent most of it complaining about how sexist Star Trek was, and I mean, that's still true. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there, there was one moment when you said, I don't know when we'll actually put this up. Maybe it'll be when Star Trek Beyond came out two years ago. When did Star Trek Beyond come out? Uh, four years ago. Okay, I was, you know, margin of error. I think I'm within the margin of error. 2016 was a weird time. Well, no, actually it wasn't. We've, we've been living in weird times for so long, it's hard to tell. I mean, are we grading on a scale? Like, what is what is the definitive weird year? Because what if, Harry, what if the definitive weird year was like, I don't know, what's a boring year? Like, what was happening in, like, 1994? Was 1994 weird? Uh, 1994... You know, Jurassic Park was, I think, 92. God damn it. Nothing happened in 94. No one can remember 1994. So if 1994 was weird. <laughs> is 1994 like the false history? Like that, that period of time that historians think might have actually been made up? There's nothing to say to that, I guess. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I was not emotionally prepared to yes and that statement, Terry. Yeah, let's just get to the episode. <laughs> Welcome to Brokusatsu, Two Brothers' exploration of to- of. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've done the intro. Hold on, jeez, I used to. Re- <laughs> you don't remember the intro? <laughs> it's been a fucking while. It's Two Brothers' exploration of Tokusatsu shows and related media, and it was your fucking fault that the word exploration is a part of our intro. That is such a hard word to hit again and again and again. We heard a clap, so welcome to Brokusatsu, Two Brothers' exploration of tokusatsu shows and associated and associated media. See, that, that exploration is not the hardest word in that sentence, Sam. Anyway, I'm Harry. Yeah, because it's related. I've been I'm saying ha- related. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not doing another take, so introduce yourself now, Sam. <laughs> no, I think you should do another take. <laughs> that, mm, mm, oh, okay. No. <sighs> Welcome to Brokusatsu, two brothers squabbling on the internet, like, semi-tangentially related to tokusatsu and related media. My name's Harry. And I'm Sam, and I apologize to Harry for a couple things. It sounds like he did not like my choice in media today, um, but we'll get into that in the back half of the show. I uh, also want to apologize, uh, because apparently it's been quite some time since Arius had to do the intro on this one. And so we got to spend the last few minutes just uh, listening to him go over it again and again and again. Uh, because, you know, the the way the structure works is one brother apologizes and the other brother introduces. And because I leave... I lead a life without sin, and Harry is a much worse person than me. Harry always has much more to apologize for. Okay, we know that's the least true statement ever, and you didn't <laughs> even also apologize for how hard it was editing the last episode. 
Uh, so if this episode comes out with any any editing at all, you're you're all welcome. Uh, we'll put some really just like hardcore awful like stuff in there, which you're gonna just have to cut out and mass Harry. I'll just I'll just add an extra audio track of like machine noises in the background. Like I'll I'll do the noise reduction, but then I'll just amplify it instead. There's some Casey Musgraves concerts on YouTube, but you could just you know like lay that sound over like our podcast. I gotta be honest, like if we just if we just ended this podcast and just started putting out, like, Casey Musgrave songs on our feed, we would probably be doing the world a favor. We could just move to, like, a karaoke podcast format. Uh, the, the the weird disruption to our scheduling has driven us crazy, uh, but, you know, there's one constant in our lives, and that's Power Rangers RPM. It's pretty good if, you know, a little light and detail for us to really bite into, so we're going to cover it first this week. Oh, just a minor programming note. Like, we are starting to see production images from Common Rider Zero One. So the episodes are coming back. I I salvaged a great transition out of that, but okay, yeah, right. Oh, well, well, maybe I'll apologize for that next week. That is my one thing that I will get wrong between we've here reached, and next week. We've reached the point where our apologies every week are for the previous week's podcast. And I'm not sure what that <laughs> says about anything. Pyrogers RPM episode 18, The Belly of the Beast. Wait, 18? Really? Yeah, yes, 18. Did you watch the wrong episodes? No, no, no. I watched the next two episodes. It's just, wait, did we do like one or three episodes of RPM at some point? Did we get off sync? On the first time we covered RPM, we did three in a row. Oh. Oh. Okay, so Power Rangers RPM. What is happening this week? Okay. Uh, so, as it starts, Dr. K is explaining that Venjix is altering their strategy for destroying the city, and they are developing a single uh, aerial doomsday weapon. Yeah, it turns out that when you have robots who have access to the entire world's resources and unlimited time and no interference because their sole enemies are just hiding inside a single dome city and not, like, being proactive and trying to destroy them, they're going to eventually come up with some super powerful fuck-off weapons. Yeah, it's got giant laser cannons, it has, like, aerial refueling stations for drones, and it has, like, additional just shut down the shield. And it could be launched in 41 hours... And once it's airborne, they will not be able to bring it down. Yeah, they lack the firepower to bring it down. And that's really saying something because, you know, airships got to fight against gravity. So it really shouldn't be hard to knock a plane out of the air. Like, gravity should be doing most of the work there. Well, I think the thing is that the Vegix are just making a bomber that can go, you know, higher than humans can. Like, they don't need to worry about breathing, so they can just go, like, to Blackbird Hide and drop bombs. <laughs> they have all the advantages in this situation, and the robots are finally realizing that and, you know, just really pressing the line. Uh, the Rangers, like, they realize, to their credit, they realize how grim the situation is. Like, uh, someone recommends, you know, let's just quickly blow up the lab, and Dr. Light points out, like, you know, that really doesn't solve things, because these are robots, they'll literally just build another one and throw it at us. Yeah. Also, for... I mean, we joked about it, but the show basically makes it clear. Gemma and Gemma are super gung-ho about blowing the facility up right now. And Scott has to step in and say, there's still a bunch of civilians there. We should try to get them out. 
This disappoints Gemma Gemma. So our speculation, our humorous speculation last week about how many bodies Gemma Gemma have dropped. Like, oh my god, show confirmed. <laughs> By the end of the series, those we are going to see armed mafia members fighting off the robots. Like, we're just, we're making things canon. It's, it's the good version of us uh, talking about, uh, like, Saki at the zoo. <laughs> uh, good god. Uh, meanwhile, Vengex has also taken the data from the chainsaw bot and has created a new upgraded saw bot. That's like, uh, Sam, describe the differences if you want. Oh, uh, I didn't really notice that many differences. Like maybe a couple more saws like on the shoulder, but otherwise looked pretty much the same as last week's monster of the week. It's just got a little bit more saws and it's got like big glowing eyes, but otherwise it's it's like the same suit, I think. Imagine the suit from last week, like, you know, people really liked it, it was moving around, so they were like, let's do it again, so we'll tape on the bare minimum to make it look ever so slightly different. Uh, the Rangers have gathered, they've even brought in the full might of the Corinth City military. Which is five soldiers. <laughs> yeah, like, the entire military forces of Corinth could fit into the red van that me and you, Sam, uh, grew up driving around in. Yeah, there's like... Uh, we see the heroes take a couple jeeps, like, out to survey the scene. One jeep is full of Power Rangers. The other jeep is full of the entire surviving military force of the city. It's kind of grim. <laughs> like, everything we've said, you know, yeah, the Mafia members, like, fighting off the city. Like, oh my god, that has to be true. The, uh, the Sawbot shows up with some grinders, and mm -hmm. there's a big long fight. Eventually, Gemma Gemma just have to slap on one of the detonation charges and set it off, which doesn't destroy it, just kind of drives them away. Oh, I was reading that as it was, like, actually destroyed, but then another later on in the episode, another one came back. Uh, you know, it's either one could work, honestly. They they say uh, it'll come back soon, so I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe they were implying that they're just building another. Uh, there's multiple plans going on, and... Uh, we see the Vengex generals uh, just kind of doing the countdown clock of when the ship will launch. And we see Dr. Light and the military people like uh, desperately sending the Rangers in on a near suicide mission to do something about the flyer. Like Dr. Light has a secret plan going on that she has Gem and Gemma working on, uh, whereas everyone else is working on evacuating the civilians and planting explosives around the base. Yep. And Dylan isn't full on freaking about about his uh, dark past. So... He, he's saying, like, I need to find my sister that I'm mostly sure exists or existed at some point. And I mean, the other people there are like, yes, yes, we'll find your sister. Stop freaking out. We're, we're all on board with this. You don't have to keep yelling. But I mean, someone does say, hey, there may come a point where we got to decide between getting the civilians out and, you know, destroying the bot. This is a children's show. This is a children's show. I mean. The, the situation just escalates for a while, and there's more and more fighting, and the the way that starts to get resolved, and I I don't really get this move, Summer, because she has the detonator, and Dylan, you know, <laughs> Scott says, all right, we've run out of time, we need to blow up the facility. Uh, Dylan, Dylan says, you can't do that, and Summer says, I'm not going to, you are, and gives him the detonator, which I, I kind of get what she's working towards, like saying, like, you're part of the team, you're getting this to... You're beginning to make this decision. But that's a fucking terrible thing to put on him. Like, the, the rest of the team, they did at this point in the episode, and we're fast-forwarding through a ton of fights. This is this is almost constant fights from beginning to end, this episode. And it's good fighting. 
No, it, it's just like an action episode. So, I mean, they, they set up the plot and now the plot's resolving. So by this point, the Rangers had gotten all the civilians out. Ranger Black, with uh, the emotional prompting from Summer, decides to nuke the base. But Dr. K jumps on the radio and says, wait, wait a minute, I'm doing another thing. Like, wait for the the flyer actually needs to launch now. Because what Gem and Gemma were doing were downloading some DNA into its uh, base code. Uh, Dr. Light is remembering that she designed the Vengex virus, and so therefore she has all the fun, fun root access stuff and can do some nice, uh, some nice averting of the programs. I kind of predicted this earlier in the episode, like they're making a big point where destroying the flyer won't work. Like destroying the flyer is not a solution. The city doesn't have the firepower to repel something like that. And the Avengix will just build another. So, hey, like clearly the right idea is to steal it. It makes total sense. Dr. K was saying in an earlier episode, hey, my technology is kind of reaching a plateau. Like Vengex is adapting constantly and I've made all the Ranger suits that I can make due to whatever technical techno battle. So they just need more robots. And boy, they're going to get some. Yeah, like we're kind of at the midpoint of the series. And, you know, the the upgraded robots that we're going to be getting this episode, next episode, kind of feel like endgame level shit. Uh, the the flyer launches. Uh, it, it's, it slams the city with some laser beams for a while. But then it changes color and it's a big flying space. Uh, blue whale. Uh, Dr. Light explains that uh, the DNA that she infected it with is blue whale DNA, which Ranger Green is polite enough to explain doesn't make any kind of sense at all because blue whales don't fly. It's just a little odd. Like Gre- Green is still pointing, pointing out that, you know, this this is a weird show. Green wasn't the only one. Like, uh, was it Green or was it Ranger Red, who several episodes ago when Dr. Light was doing a Q&A pointed out, like, hey, why, why are there eyes on all the vehicles that you create? The the whale, it blows up most of the flyers, but uh, then they've killed the sawbot, and it gets big. And the sawbot, the big sawbot has, like, scanned all of the megazords that they have made so far, and it can take them down, down easily. They need something that it has never fought before. A giant flying blue whale! Uh, and it combines with the gold and silver zords to create, I think, like the Vox Speed Megazord, which is, it's just a flying Megazord, which is real cool. Yeah, so this is like, so now the Rangers RPM have like three fully autonomous, like Megazord designs that can all like exist simultaneously. Yeah, that, that's actually not too uncommon these days. It's like, uh, they, a lot of like, uh, a lot of times the secondary rangers get their own mechs and then they get other ones that can like slam them together. I was unaware that that was a common trope in rangers. So as they, the mock mixer destroys it. And I think, Oh, uh, D- Dylan, like again, ran into the burning factory. It was like, I still think my sister might be in there and him and summer have a moment. Yes. There is some sexual tension. Like they think they're going to die. And so they start to go in for a kiss and then the giant blue whale sprays down the entire facility with water out of its blowhole because physics. Yeah, at the moment of maximum sexual tension, the the whale spouts out of its blowhole and, like, puts out all the fires. They still try to go in for the kiss. Like, I mean, they're both, like, fully on board with that kiss by this point. But uh, then other rangers run into the building. Uh, Dylan asks where his sister's cell was. And Gemma Gemma say, oh, we're actually standing in it. Like, this, this blown up cell, she's not here. 
Mm -hmm. But they do find a strange key uh, hidden in one of the cracks of the room. Dun, dun, dun. I'm presuming that this key is plot relevant. It's not in the next episode, but I mean, probably a future one. Well, uh, start of the next episode, Dylan is examining the key, so... Yep, and I mean, it. as far as I can tell, it's just the key. I mean, it's just like a chunk of solid metal, and he's just staring at it, spinning it, like looking at every angle, and I'm like, dude, it's a key. Well, the thing is, he has that key that he can put into his watch that'll play a little song, and he's putting this new key into the watch, and it's not really doing anything, it's just kind of spinning, and he's getting frustrated, because it seems like this should be plot relevant, but... No, it's just, I don't know, maybe it's for a garage or something. Blue offers to say, hey, I can look at it, maybe see if it's broken. I am a mechanic. And Dylan's like, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> this is my this is my backstory. Uh, yeah. Uh, Black's a little bit of a dick this episode. Uh, so uh, we then cut to a scene of uh, the comedy relief, uh, Power Rangers Green and Red, going to get some groceries and running into some old friends of Ziggy who are holding up the place. Yeah, Ziggy is just, like, grabbing huge, uh, like, armfuls of candy, and Scott thinks he's getting it for himself, but no, that's actually what Dr. K eats. I I, I feel like Dr. K is almost L from Death Note, uh, and you're not going to get that at all, Sam, but maybe one of our listeners is also an anime nerd. I mean, I did watch, like, the first episode of Death Note. Maybe the first two episodes of Death Note. I don't think L is in the first two episodes. No, he is. Like, you know, the end of the first episode of Death Note is when the guy goes on, like, a spree just writing names in the book, uh, which somehow L figures out means that there's a person who could just kill people by knowing their names. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of weird inductive reasoning in that series, which if you really step back and take a look, you're like, no, that that's not possible. You know what? Uh, adding Death Note to the possible things we could fucking watch list. <laughs> Uh, we are burning through a lot of, like, our Netflix Hulu content during this pandemic. Like, you know how everyone has that, like, huge, huge fucking backlog of shows? Like, yeah, I'm gonna add that to my to-watch list, and then in the back of your mind, you're like, I am never going to watch that. Yeah, we're starting to watch some of them. Anyway, so, uh, some, some gangsters show up to, like, hold up the store and steal the money? Which seems extra weird for me because is there still enough of an economy in the only city left on earth that it wouldn't just make more sense to take the food yeah also i mean these are clearly gangsters like these are people from ziggy's past so these are some of like the elite protectors of the city like they they should have everything they want yeah they they own they own the section of the town uh but i mean this this particular point it's like it's not really plot relevant at all. Like, it's just like a two or three minutes diversion for uh, Red and Green to have some slapstick fighting against some, you know, baseline humans. Yeah, and it's actually showing that Green's developed a lot and he can he can deal with one competent human opponent relatively well. Like, he's, he's almost clowning on him. Yeah, he's got a great character arc. Yeah, and as, as uh, Scott and Ziggy are wrapping things up... Uh, Jemma Jemma burst in through the front door, literally kicking it down in full Ranger suits and say, hey, I, I see if there's a fight. We're going to use our military grade weapons on the civilian area. Let's go. <laughs> yes. So that does kind of kick off the core thrust of this episode, uh, where the rest of the Rangers are getting together and just having the talk and being like, hey, yo, Jemma and Jemma are psychopaths. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, 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 
they turned them into weapons and we did we we need to turn them back into people dr k i know you're they're your friends but uh uh we see example and example of this like uh there's uh after the supermarket the rangers uh they try and form a super combined zord with you know all three of their immobile megazords and gemma gemma kind of blow it by just being headstrong they're not in sync with the rest of the group harry and uh, Tanaya, she's back at the Vendrick space, and she's kind of slacking on her attack bot duties because she wants to make a cool lightning cannon for her arm. And, you know, sure. Uh, so she actually gets one of the other robots, like kind of the dumb one, to make one for the city. And he says, all right, I'll make something really creepy and weird. And he succeeds. Yeah, the monster of the week is a... It's a textile bot. It's like a, a giant red sewing machine type of thing. It has spools on both its shoulders and on its wait, back. And... Wait, did, did you forget the balloon bot? Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, uh, so that's cause... the second monster of the week. Yeah. Uh, so I can only assume that for whatever reason, they can only use like 60 seconds of this bot or however long it's in the show. Because it shows up in Megazord mode and they they go to fight it very briefly. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's a big purple slug, but it's like covered with those circus balloons that people throw darts at. Yeah. And they're they're beating it really easily. But then Dr. K realizes, wait, he's made of balloons. If there's poison gas in there, then, you know, we destroy him and he kills everyone. So let, let's hold off for a minute. But the Jamma Jamma just destroyed because they're Jamma Jamma. Collateral damage is not one of their concerns. Thankfully, there is no poison inside the balloons, uh, so the city doesn't, like, die. So they, they, Scott gives them a real talking to, and they look kind of, like, uh, chastised, but not really, because they're not, they're mostly just colored with crayons and stuff at the time. They're blowing them off, really, and they're going to continue to do exactly what they've done before. Uh, also, they invented a little scanner thingy to find, uh, like, magnetic signatures back out in the waste. So that can go and blow it up. Uh, yes. Uh, so it's at this point that Tanaya and her crew are out. They're playing with the lightning gun, you know, having some fun shenanigans there. Accidentally blowing up grinders because Tanaya's not great with the gun yet. They have a lot of grinders. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Like, I think at a certain point, like, they have targets set up, but she just starts actually aiming at the grinders because they're more fun to shoot. So, Gemma Gemma, they burst in. They start fighting because that's what they do. Uh, but but the textile bot, like, wraps them up because it's got the spider silk webs, so they can't really break out. So the generals explicitly made this one, like, uh, they realized that they have a flying uh, Megazord now, so they needed to create a attack bot uh, that could tie up and, uh, you know, ground a flying bot. So, hence textiles, because that, that tracks. Yeah, I, I almost feel like this is, because this is a Generation 3 and most of the bots that have been happening for a while are generation like 13 and 16. So I, my impression was almost that this was a leftover bot that Tanai just had that they're just using because it wasn't destroyed early in the war. Like, it, it would be kind of fun because like by generation 16, they're just chainsaws designed to tear human flesh. But earlier on, they're like textiles and stuff. It's it's like the Mega Man bosses. Earlier on, they might theoretically be useful, but by the end, they're all murder. It's the Leaf Man versus Bomb Man continuum. Uh, so they, the, the Megazord gets wrapped up by Silk, so the other Megazords need to swim over in a very goofy shot. And then they combine all the Megazords, and, uh, they, they blow it up. 
Yes, there's a touching moment where Gem and Gemma, like, as it looks like they're about to die, they're, you know, on the radio saying, hey, guys, we're really sorry. I think we screwed this up. We haven't been listening. We haven't been good members of the team. We have learned our lesson, and we will now move forward as an in sync part of this crew. The episode ends on them, like, uh, fixing up the doors on that store that they kind of wrecked. So, yeah, it's just some nice growth. All about that character growth. Uh, Harry, so next week, are we going to get into more of that mystery key? Like, how, how long before they realize that Tanaya is the sister? Uh, I mean, I'll take a quick peek. I mean, I'll just, I'll, it's been a while, but I'll look at the episode, uh, descriptions. Uh, I mean, there's, there's 33 episodes and this was episode 19. So we're, we're in the tail end, you know, we're starting like, we're on the downward ramp to the end of the series. Don't think... Either of the next episodes are strongly key-focused. Yeah, but uh, that's something for next week. But uh, instead, what we're covering for the rest of this week is uh, a show that Sam picked. Because he was so he was so sad about what we had to cover last time. He, he had many objections, like it was, you know, it, had, it was weirdly sexually aggressive. And it covered topics with, like, not the sensitivity maybe it should. And it was just kind of a chore to watch. And, like, it was... It was just seemed like a lot of production money spent on something that was mediocre at best. And, you know, I disagreed, but I said, hey, you know, Sam, if you feel like you can you can pick something better, pick something better. And so he did his very best. And now I, we're going to... I picked Future Man because it is very strong recommendations. Like, it has a, a very hyper fan base that, you know, absolutely loves the show. It's one of those, like, high-concept sci-fi shows that struggles to attract an audience and was canceled before its time, apparently, according to the internet. It got three um, seasons. It, it got two and a half seasons. The point is, I didn't vet it. And you knew. <laughs> you knew that I didn't vet it going in. Like, it was it was from my list. It was from my queue. It was from my, my list to watch later list on Hulu. Or rather on Dad's Hulu, because, you know, no one actually pays for their own Hulu. I mean, I'm playing this up a little bit, but I do want to make clear that I genuinely hated this show. Really? Because, like, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't like the first episode. But then, like, the second episode and onward, it does improve a lot. Like, the first episode was a slog. It was a thousand little things that I didn't like about the show, and maybe I'm just grumpy because of, you know, stuff going on in the world. Like, maybe I'm just in a bad mood to deal with this. But I, you know, let's get into it, and then we could do the whole breakdown at the end, you know, after we've gotten through. Because maybe it'll become clear as we watch. Future Bad, Episode 1. We begin in a hard post-apocalypse with survivors running through debris, dropping stuffed animals behind them, being chased by generic robots slash something in pursuit. Um, I may have accidentally picked like another exact copy of Terminator Salvation, another exact copy of uh, Power Rangers RPM. Yeah, it's just a thing we're covering these days. It's the Ur-Apocalypse, or otherwise known as August 2020. Sam, I, you know, your your doom, your doom telling is getting is wearing a little bit on it on me. <laughs> uh, so, uh, there there's some people like being chased by the cyborg robot weird uh by by bio somethings. Anyway, uh, they're saved by a you know generic action man. 
not a generic action man, a future man. He is, uh, like, shooting them with laser guns. He's doing quips every time he kills one. Mm-hmm. He, like, save, saves the people, hands over the kid's doll. It's very over-the-top, like, 80s-style action movie uh, slash video game cutscene, which uh, kind of turns out it is. Uh, and then he's woken up because, oh, he's uh, just a pathetic loser who lives with his dad. Like, uh, he also, he stepped... <clears throat> So he's a he's a gamer. He's like a video gamer, and that might that might be one thing that annoyed me because it does feel like this show was made by someone who has played like three games in their lifetime. You know, on the one hand, yes. On the other hand, like I know that the people the people who made this have like nerd cred. It's like you know, it's Paul Shearer. It's it's that crew. Like they they know their shit, which is confusing because watching this, like it's there's so much wrong. Like. The main character is playing a first-person shooter with a flight stick. No, a, a third-person shooter. Like, it's it's clearly like a Gears of War-style uh, stop-and-pop game, or maybe more like Platinum-based action when he figures out his super-secret technique later. Because this is a game, Sam, that no one has ever beaten. Which is so dumb. Like... I know. I know. It'd be, it's... like, in so many ways to do almost this exact plot... And make it, like, be effectively the same. Because if he was, like, speedrunning it, if he was going for the, like, the high score, the kill screen or something, like, you know, no one has ever... Like, you know, people are getting these things all the time. Somebody recently got, like, past this secret stage in Pac-Man where they... The screen is all glitchy. Someone got to a level in Nest Nest Tetris that, like, is a record that has been unbroken for 20 years. So if you wanted to say this guy was working at a record that would, like personally important to him for this, you know, uh, for this game. Sure, that could totally be it. But no, it's a game that I... That no one's ever beat, yeah. And yes, that's that's dumb. And, and it's discrete levels, which very rarely are games discrete levels anymore. It's like, I'm on level 83. So the game ends on level 83, by the way. It's not even like level 100 or something. I don't know. I, I'm working under the assumption that level 83 is some kind of like reference to something in the future like the villain lives on level 83 of the building like i don't know but it hasn't i'm six episodes in they haven't gotten there yet the first conversation again this is me being uncharitable i know but the variety of comedy in the show is mostly just regular dialogue but then insert fuck and dick into a lot of the words it's that for the first episode and for the first half of the second episode like later on they it it took them a while to find their comedic voice with the series, but I swear it does actually get good. I mean, I'm just right now because of the way I took the screenshots, I'm just mouse wheeling back and forth on uh, Paul Shear saying I'm fucking Pac-Man's daughter under Pac-Man's roof and she's gobbling my dick like hump, hump, hump. And he's making facial expressions. I gotta be honest. I don't think I've ever liked Paul Shear in anything. Like, I know he's beloved in the comedy community, but he might just be like a just... nice person. But I've never enjoyed his work. Yeah, I agree. Like, in, in every project he's involved with, he's, like, he's the worst one. Then, yeah, th- there's, like, some some super biting internet satire about how the Mario world doesn't make any sense. Bowser builds a castle. He knows there's the plumbers that are trying to stop him, so why does he build the pipes? You know, re- read more of... <laughs> here's five more reasons on this Cracked article about why par- Mario doesn't make any sense. Harry, did you ever did you ever watch the movie Ready Player One? No, I didn't. I I I knew better than that. I like I heard. Yeah, yeah. That was uh that was a bullet dodged cuz I mean if 
if you're bouncing off this show this hard, like Ready Player One, you probably would have, you know, committed seppuku halfway through. I watched that one under duress. Why? What, what, what duress? Did someone put a gun to your head? Yeah, pretty much. Like, a friend showed up in town and he was bored, and so we had to go out and, like, there was nothing else to watch in the movie theater. This is the before time, you know, when we could go out to a movie theater. God, I miss movie theaters. When your solution to boredom was going outside. <laughs> well, that was an option. So Josh, he he goes to his job. He's a janitor at like a kind of a medical testing facility. Yeah, it's a super secret lab uh, full of scientists uh, doing some herpes testing with a lot of possums. So many possums. Yeah, so many jokes about herpes and like swapping out urethras. Yeah, there's some juvenile fucking humor in this series. Like, it's it's the worst in episode one. It does not go away completely. Um. Yeah. So and uh and what what's his first name? Because his last name's like uh Futterman. Because it's like Future Man. Uh, it doesn't matter. Josh. I'll, I'll just say his name's Josh. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Main character. Main character. First name. Josh. Uh. Yeah. The the MC. Make me character. He he has a whole separate gaming rig in his supply closet, which seems weird. Like setting that up would almost be a more interesting show. Like, it, I mean, we've seen lots of weird slice of life shows. Like if if you know, Samurai Gourmet is just an old man walking around and eating at restaurants. Like if this was a story of a guy, you know, organizing stuff in his life and using the games as a backdrop or something, that could be fun. But no, it's just a long conversation about how he's been pissing in a bottle. Doesn't want to admit it. Uh, and he so he's on level 83 and the level no one's ever beaten. And he has a new strategy, which is, which is to show up with just so many weapons. And it doesn't work like it, it loads and he is immediately gunned down by this hallway full of monsters. So he has to he has to go home after getting in a fight with Haley Joel Osmond. And Who, who's who's one of the scientists, but he's saved. By Keith David, who is the lead scientist. And I all right, I do love Keith David. He'll just show up for anything. He's one of those guys that doesn't say no to work. Yeah, like he'll be whatever dumb sci-fi superhero, like voice actor, whatever. He'll he'll be a bit role. He'll say a couple lines and he'll be great at it, because he's Keith David. Have Keith but, David and Danny Trejo ever been in a movie together? Uh They have to I'm, have been. Maybe that's a secret. Maybe <laughs> Sam, if we uncovered a dark secret that they're the same person. Like it's either the same person or there's that there's that one role in every movie that's either a Keith David or Danny Trejo, and the directors kinda don't care which one shows up that day. Uh so yeah, he, he goes he goes home to play like level eighty-three. Uh and he has a new strategy, which is definitely the first thing that like any speedwriter would try, which is just to go with no weapons and just try to, you know, stealth around the, the enemies. Back to Ready Player One. Harry, do you know how they modified, like, the first challenge in the movie of Ready Player One? No. In Ready Player One, like, the first uh, hidden key is behind a video game race, and it turns out that the secret that, you know, that people have been trying to uncover for 80 years that has a $100 billion prize at the end of it is when the race starts, go backwards. Literally the first thing I do in any racing game because I'm bad at racing games, and so I would just accidentally go backwards, and therefore fall ass-first into $100 billion in this universe. What's annoying is I'm probably going to have to edit out these just long silences of me angrily staring at a wall because of how mad I am now. 
If, if your goal is to make me less angry at this and more angry at Ready Player One, then I guess you're succeeding. That was my goal. Yes, it was. Like, Future Man is fine compared to Ready Player One. And in later episodes, it's even good. We're not going to get to those episodes today. I'm never getting to them ever. No. That's fine. He dashes past the robots. He does, like, kung fu stuff. He slams a button. He, like, wins the game. And he's super stoked about it. Like, uh, the 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 female lead of the game, who he also really likes. There was jokes about him masturbating when looking at her earlier. Uh, you know, shows up and says, congratulations, you're the savior. And he, you know, he wants to, you know, tell his parents, but they're out. So there is some awkward sex stuff, which we're not going to get into. And hey, oh, it's oh, a last... Sa- oh, oh mm, Sam? I'm sorry, what? Is that you trying to skip past the stuff that you were complaining about last time? Yes, it was. It absolutely was. Because you you knew better going into HK. I did not know better. How did like I this... know better? I, did, I hadn't seen because that show before. Because the title was Hentai Common, Harry. You knew better. Also, it was your fault because you didn't even choose this. You allowed the universe to choose it. You allowed the internet to choose it. The point is that, uh, so he's masturbating, which, like you do, and the time travelers come in into the room at the, at the moment, and he, like, ejaculates on the, like, not not the lady, but the other dude. Can we just him. edit that out, Harry? What? 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 Oh, Sam? What? <laughs> edit that out? Like, I had to watch that for nothing? <sighs> So the point is, like, there's travelers from the future, they team up with the guy, and they seem to believe that he is this great warrior because he completed their video game. Because, well, whereas these guys are from the future, they're also incredibly dumb about certain things. Incredibly dumb about, like, pretty much everything? Like, it's, I mean, he, alright, he immediately says, this is the last Starfighter, you're just doing the plot of that. And, which starts about as genre savvy. Which then he he doesn't become genre like if you establish a character as being genre savvy and knowing what to do in situations that can be a fun thing to do, but then if that character acts like an idiot for the rest of the show, then it doesn't work. I mean, it's a conflict like uh, based off my meta knowledge of uh, episodes like three forward. Like he is genre savvy; he does know what to do. That said, it is still a comedy show, and it is still a confusing thing, and there isn't really a right answer after certain points. Like, as we'll get into in episode two, they have fucked up the future so hard by the end of episode two that there's kind of no realistic path forward. Yeah, they they immediately go back to uh, the year 69, which is after, like, a long joke of we're going to, six, we're going to 69. It's like, oh, okay, I'm okay with that, but anyway, so... They're in his his old town's. Sorry. They're in his house, which his family has like lived in for generations. So his young dad is there, his grandpa, and you know, for being Jarasavi, he sees his younger family as like, oh yeah, I'm I'm your son, and like tries to talk to them, but that they you know attack him, thinking that he's broken into their house, and you know he's driven. He's driven outside as the future soldiers realize, like, oh, he's not actually good at this. And our main character is, like, freaking out, doing all the wrong time travel things of, like, standing in the middle of the street and stuff. I mean, standing in the middle of the street isn't the worst thing to do when you're time traveling. It's not the best, but also he is quite disoriented from his first time travel experience. Harry, you gotta give him the benefit of the doubt for that. You know what? I've prepared for a few things in my life. 
But I think if I was thrown into a time travel situation, I would deal with it better than this guy. A time travel situation with no warning. Like, with, with no lead up. No, Sam, I'm sitting in my underwear in a long shirt right now. And I can say with confidence, because it's not like you're going to fucking test this. <laughs> but if I was thrown in time a couple hundred years... Well, not... Okay, not a couple hundred years, but like a decade... A couple decades back or forward, I could probably deal with it. Now, that that is largely because I'm white. Because, you know, time travel is a nightmare for anyone who's not white. <laughs> As we'll get into. So, yeah, they are... They are in the past now. And... After beating up their own family, uh, the future people beat up a team of bikers that they stumble into. Uh, they beat up a diner, and then they blow up some cops. Yeah. Uh, and the the soldiers are just super, super violent, and they can't deal with anything. And it, I don't know, the show is doing a weird thing about stakes. Like, it's, the soldiers are just ridiculous cartoons to a level that... Uh, like, I don't know, if this was a cartoon, maybe I'd be more okay with it. But, like, they're actors and stuff, that's making me judge this in a different way. Can't you think of it as a cartoon, Harry? Like, just apply cartoon logic to it. Because that's really what the show is about. And, like, the stakes, they do matter. Like, when they blow up some cops, like, one of the recurring villains, when they go back to the future, is the surviving cop from the exploded car. He was just chasing them through time. Um, have we explained the plot, by the way? Oh, no, we haven't. No, not at all. All right. So the medical facility that he works at, uh, it turns out that Keith David there, he's working on a cure for herpes because he got herpes at a party when the moon landing was happening. Um, he, uh, uh, like he eventually creates a cure for all diseases, which also turns people into weird, uh, mutant monsters. So they, they've come back basically to stop him. Yes. And uh, future future guy realizes, oh well, I mean, his whole reason for becoming a scientist is having herpes. Mm-hmm. So just stop him from getting herpes at the party, and they're good. There's lots of talking. I mean, there's like like that. That's episode one. Like we have described episode one, and as episode two opens, uh, we open with the comedy bit of the surviving police officer having to go to the house of his dead partner. And meeting with his pregnant wife and the entire extended family of the deceased partner who has not heard the news. And Alright, so this is definitely... Alright, here's the problem. is like, I know this is 100% unfair because this is not the show's fault. But this episode, it deals largely with, like, racial and cop drama. And maybe I wasn't in a super mood to laugh at that this episode. Like, his partner was uh, was Hispanic, they, they made clear. You know, his whole big family. And, like... That didn't really come into it. Yeah, but, like, it's just... Mm, they did kill off the minority dude, and, like, had Borg White guy is the apparently recurring character. Well, I mean, not that actor. They got an older actor. Yeah, I'm pretty sure... I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure those old Hispanic actors, so they could have done that, too. <laughs> I am aware. Uh, but, uh, the... So, the crux of this uh, particular episode is they need to get across town to Caltech... Uh, to disrupt a frat party uh, where the scientist got herpes in the past. Uh, turns out that it is a historic black frat when they get there. And as they are all white characters, uh, that leads to some 
awkward comedy and awkward situations. Yeah, I, I maybe, I mean, I was taking screen caps and like covering it, but I was maybe skipping around a little bit in this part because it was uncomfortable. Um, especially one like the, so he has two future soldiers with them and the guy one named Wolf. I mean, for comedically appropriate reasons, he does yell like you and your mutant race have ruined this planet. And it's like, I mean, there's times when I would have laughed at this. Yeah, it's it's a bad couple months to be laughing at that. Yeah, also the cops show up and, like, are fighting the bikers who want to. So, uh, we didn't even okay, mention the I, bikers. That was, that was funny. Like, so the cops, at a certain point of the episode, cops will show up to break up uh, this barricade that the future soldiers have set up in the street. And so the black frat is looking outside. Oh, shit, it's the cops. And everyone is about to leave. Then they say, but they're beating up white people. And everyone starts cheering. <laughs> That was funny, Harry. Yeah, 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 it was kind of funny. Um, but I mean, so uh, because the the wolf guy kind of ruined things, they he uh, future guy needs to sneak into the party, so he steals a uh, astronaut off outfit out of a yeah off of a you know passed out guy, just swaps clothes. They needed something to conceal the fact the fact that he was you know Colonel Sanders. Uh, so he was wearing a Colonel Sanders type outfit. No one was going to get that if they hadn't seen the episode. Anyway, outside, uh, the the future soldiers they're having talks about how the the lady she feels like she's kind of failed the whole uh, mission because she got like almost all of her subordinates killed in getting the time travel device. And I, they're probably building up stuff. Maybe that's her arc for this season. They introduce the rest of the characters in another episode. A very extended sequence where she calls out each one by name. Uh, and they I, I, they... I guess this is kind of good bit. Uh, but, like, in going through the party, uh, one of the one of the people says, Oh, hey, uh, you know, I recognize you. You're Lamar. Hey, you have a really good Bill Cosby impression. Do, do an impression of that uh, joke he tells where he puts Spanish fly in a girl's drink. And the main character's like, wait, he, he told jokes about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he tells a joke bad enough that people stop liking Bill Cosby, and he's a little proud of that. It's just, this show is really mean-spirited. <laughs> it is a bit mean-spirited. And, like, it's it's just... Mm. I don't know. Like, it's, it's funny. It is... And they... So, as the episode ends, like, because we're not really covering this in any particular order, this is even more disjointed than our usual coverage, uh, they go back to the future. They have prevented the uh, professor from hooking up with the person who he believes gave him herpes, uh, and it turns out that as they're going forward in time, they have left an iPhone with the fraternity member that they stole the clothes from. Mm-hmm. And also, when they get back to the future, uh, absolutely nothing has changed. Like, the professor still has herpes, still has advertisements about having herpes, and is still going to doom the world. At least presumably. Like, they haven't seen that far into the future, so yet I kind of don't know what's going to happen there, but that is their working assumption. I mean, I looked at the preview for the next episode, and apparently that's the one where, like, yeah, let's just kill him, and future guy is like, I guess I can't object at this point. But, I, I mean, they have a time travel device... How, what are the rules for this time travel device? Because they don't really know is the thing. Like, 
the future soldiers that stole it, that's what they are. Like, they're just soldiers. That is all they know. They just grabbed the device, they plugged in a date, and they jumped there. They uh, they have enough fuel for, like, one or two more jumps at this point. And so, like, finding more fuel does become a plot point. Uh, yeah, as well mm-hmm. as, like, all the... As well as all the repercussions of the actions from 1969, like leaving an iPhone in the past. Oh, yeah, that had repercussions. Like stopping the professor from hooking up with person had repercussions. Like he's still very much a scientist and he still has herpes in the exact same spot, which actually leads me to believe that it might be a genetic thing and not actually his herpes simplex, which he thinks he got like from someone else. So maybe that's like a bit from later on in the series. Well, he's been doing tests for a while. I feel like he probably would have been able to figure out, like, he probably could have tested and figure out the type of herpes. You know what? I'm engaging this on a level that maybe I'm not doing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, I uh, Maybe I'll watch some more if you really say it's good, but I, I got other stuff to do. Um, like, it's I, not. It's not the best thing I've ever watched. And if you bounced off the first two episodes, um. Like, especially, like, the back end of episode two had a much better grasp of, like, the comedy voice for the series. Yeah, it's just, I feel like it's just internet dudes thinking they're super clever, but this is nothing I haven't read before, because it's it's just, like I said, it's exactly the type of cracked article, like, oh, you know. It does seem like they've paid a little bit more attention to some of the consequences of time travel than some of the other series. You know, while still falling into some of the Back to the Futurisms. Like, main character guy, like, he, is there, like, another copy of him in the present day, or has he taken his place? Or, like, is is he full-on Back to the Future? Is he changing as he's changing the past, or is he, like, a weird blind spot? Uh, it's, it's Back to the Future, so, uh, at least as far as I can tell, like, maybe, maybe that'll be something from a future episode where he comes back and it's like, oh god, there's another copy of me. Uh, but... At this point, there is no other copy, and his parents are more or less identical as to they were before. Well, uh, that's the show. I, I didn't like it, but I, you know, it's you, you tried. Uh, so, <laughs> and for next week, well, I am gonna. I mean, the content tornado will continue. I am gonna do that mega game report thing. Maybe I'll get you to do some audio for it. Uh, but it, it it might be it might be easier if it's just me like narrating the stuff we're doing because I you know. Don't want to, have to go back and forth. It's basically us doing an audio let's play of uh, of that mega game we did. I uh, go. Uh, which which one is this, Harry? Like uh, the one where I was trying to like shoot another ship? Or no, I mean, no. People requested that that. Uh, I mean, there's some privacy issues on that one, and people requested it not be recorded, so it wasn't. But nobody requested that for the earlier one, where and also I wasn't helping to run it, so whatever. I was just a player, and I could do what I want. Ah, uh, the ones where we were bad scientists and noped the fuck out. Yep. Uh, a little spoiler warning, but anyway, uh, so w- we'll be covering that soon, and maybe that's inside of the episode, or maybe in addition to another one that we'll cover, because at some point we're doing the next two RPMs, and I, I think I'm going to throw it to the people on Facebook, Sam. Uh, fine, 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 fine. Like, you got my permission this time, but, you know, like, just put a warning where we reserve the right to not watch weird porn parodies. I would have said no to some things, like if he just said porn. It would have been fine, but like this was, it was specifically common writer themed, and it was like a big enough deal that it has that was like a major motion picture. <sighs> like if they just sent a Pornhub, like I, I would have been like, well, I guess we're doing this this week. <laughs> but but since you've given me permission, maybe we'll do it that. Maybe we'll do it that way this time. We'll see. But there's 
you know, but maybe there's one thing that we'll always be happy to, to cover if they're requested. Sam, and what is that? Dance. We will talk about and we will participate in any dance that anyone wants at any time. Mm-hmm.